though yet of Hamlet our dear brother's death the memory be green, and that it us be fitted to bear our hearts in grief and our whole kingdom to be contracted in one brow of woe, yet so far hath discretion fought with nature, that we with wisest sorrow think on him together with remembrance of ourselves. I'm Shannon Camp. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 1, Together with Remembrance of Ourselves. Liam struggles with the aftermath of Ted's violent death. Jasper tries to get back in Eleanor's good graces. Helena tries to restore order to the palace. And Cyrus eliminates an old enemy. Welcome back to Stage of Fools, everyone. Thanks for joining us once more after our long hiatus. I think, was it late April or early May the last time we put out an episode? Uh, yeah, I think maybe, <laughs> I want to say early May, but either way, it's been more than half a year, more than half a year at this point. So, As usual, we've done no research even about ourselves and our own show. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have to look at my notes because there's a small, I do take a small amount of notes, but there's a character <laughs> in this one whose name I didn't catch and I decided not to look it up in remembrance of that other character whose name I never looked up and now I don't remember anymore. This season is going to be a little bit different. Um, if you have listened to the show before, you know that in the past we've kind of known the whole season and while we've been going through episode by episode trying to stay spoiler free, we did, in fact, know basically know how things were going to play out. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year, we're trying something new. Uh, we're hoping to get some new listeners on board because we're planning on releasing episodes uh, within the week after new episodes of the Royals airing right. on E. Sometime so- before the following episode airs, hopefully this will be available to you. Yeah, we haven't worked out a hard schedule for the time being... Zach and I are in different time zones, although who knows, that could change. And our producer, Darren, uh, lives in England. We have actually, if you can believe it, an authentic British per- person working on this show. Uh, so, yeah, we have a couple things we have to figure out, but we can promise that we're going to do our very best to get an episode out within the week after it airs, before the next one airs. And I don't know what that's going to mean for things like guests it's probably going to make it more complicated so we might have fewer this season i'm not sure yeah i'm thinking fewer guests but i'm hoping we'll be able to deliver something different this year because we'll have more to talk about in the way of predictions and theories and maybe even some fan content you know i'm open to seeing what's out there as long as we're still doing just the bare minimum amount of actual research right that's because we have to one. keep to our standards. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The good news is this was a very, very fun season opener, and it left me feeling incredibly optimistic for the rest of season three. When we were talking about it over text message 
when I was watching it before you did. Uh, we haven't talked to each other in the six months since we last recorded. Oh, that's right. Never mind. I don't even know what's been going on with you. <laughs> uh -huh. Somebody, not you, mentioned it almost seemed like they were listening to Stage of Fools uh, when <laughs> when uh, I was watching this and kind of giving updates to not you, somebody else. And I, I think that's true. Like, they seem to have abandoned a lot of the really stupid aspects and character arcs of and traits of season two that kind of really made that season a slog like domino may for all we know just be done forever yes uh, i really cyrus, think it might be done cyrus is just evil he's not like it he's not fawning over his lost love or anything like that he doesn't mention her in the slightest um well he wasn't uh violet i could see coming back I guess Prudence and the baby were in the previously on. But they didn't get mentioned, I don't think. Or maybe he mentioned them briefly, but yeah. No, yeah, I, think I don't might... think he, I don't know that he, he mentioned them. He threw a baby them. shoe in the fire very dramatically at one point. <laughs> okay, that counts. I will have to say, um, I was taking like a skeleton outline of notes so that we could get through this show without mixing up things too badly. So there may have been a couple things that I missed that Zach caught, uh, and who knows? Perhaps a couple things in the other direction. We'll sure. see. Uh, yeah, I say we just dive right in because there's certainly a lot to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so just let's briefly recap the previously on the Royals. Because the previously on really gets to what you mm -hmm. need to know in terms of what happened in season two. Because I can already promise that a lot of what happened in season two did Doesn't not matter. matter. Much and like what happened season, in season one. one basically didn't happen pretty much so in some cases it like the show is heavily implying listen that just didn't happen uh, it's we'll like get to don those. draper sitting at peggy olsen's bedside in mad men it will shock you how much this never happened right exactly, <laughs> it's uh, exactly our first that. our first mention of a uh highbrow television show Another tradition on this podcast. It's like a chocolate chip cookie where the dough is very mediocre, but every once in a while you hit a really nice bittersweet chocolate chip. For the previously on for this podcast, very briefly, <laughs> is that the king was killed in season one. Took all of season two to figure out who did it, but they figured out it was their head of security, Ted Price, who, after his treachery was revealed at a football game... Uh, in the English sense, was ripped apart by an unruly mob. <laughs> we are the only people who use the term ripped apart. No one on the show says that, but we all saw it happen. Uh, meanwhile, um, Eleanor and Jasper had an on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again relationship for a long That's time. That's the princess and her bodyguard. And bodyguard. Um, most recently, they were angry at each other because he betrayed her trust in some way. It doesn't seem to matter too much. But they're kind of warming up to each other again. Helena is a nice person, though. Oh, yeah. The Queen Helena, King Simon's widow. I mean, I highly doubt there's anyone who's jumping in on season three, but I'll just clarify things in case people have trouble with character names, because I know sometimes I do. Uh, Queen Helena, King Simon's widow, is kind of grappling for power now with his younger brother, who's the king now. Uh, King Cyrus is like, if Oscar Wilde were uh, evil and yeah. more bisexual than gay. Yeah, Oscar Wilde meets Scar from The Lion King. And Absolutely. That's pretty much that's pretty much Cyrus. That's 100% it. So uh, Cyrus 
put it out there that the queen's surviving children, twins, Prince Liam and Princess Eleanor, are actually not biologically the king, so they're not legitimate heirs. And mm-hmm. he had his own infant son to replace them, I guess, after planning on having his own daughter from his first marriage declared unfit to rule. He had this baby son heir, but then the woman who was the mother of the child, who was this maid that he had basically sexually coerced slash raped slash blackmailed for all of season one, um, ended up escaping the palace with the baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thanks to Queen Helena helping her out. And the queen and deceased king's oldest son, Robert, was believed to have been killed in a military accident. But in the final moments of season two, we saw a hand reaching for a helmet with his name on it. There's a lot of resetting in this episode. Uh, I think it's I think it cut down on a lot of the outside of the family political nonsense that kind of bogged down season two to its to like its... Moorfield. yeah stuff like that yes. the anti-monarchist i mean we may just have not gotten to it yet because it's the first it's episode true. because we didn't see cyrus's idiotic daughters one of whom was completely recast in season two and whose personality was recast like a lot of characters just d- changed in every sense and we right. lost a lot of season one characters in season two i'm hoping that think- we can kind of Trim some of the fat from season two. And I think that's what they're trying to do. So far, they've already trimmed one character. Jeff is pretty conclusively not going to show up anymore. We'll get into it. I'm really excited to talk about that scene. If you are someone who only... And it's... I love that there are people out there who are like this. I worry about them, but I love them. If you are someone who does not watch the Royals, but does listen to Stage of Fools, and is listening to Zach and I tell you this odd quasi-Shakespearean soap opera tale, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> yes, it's been six months, so you might have to play catch as catch can a little bit, but... Uh... Just Google image search the characters if you get confused, and sure. you'll sort yourself out in no time. I'm going to say the episode begins uh, by resolving a bit of a cliffhanger from the very last shots of season two. Helena was standing over Simon's tomb saying, give me those bones before goons. Get went me to work. those bones. Before goons went to work on it with sledgehammers. Final shots of season. Well, one of the final shots of season two was the camera from the inside of the tomb looking out. Uh, and now we know that that was the point of view of a note that said gone fishing because that is what they find inside the tomb. Helena, like right hand lady, especially now that her evil manservant Lucius is gone, is this part time dominatrix named Rachel. She's a very put together lady who is an after who is just a sex worker and is super open about that and the royal family is totally okay with that and very open it's not a, a secret at all rachel at one point in this episode is walking around in an outfit that is definitely supposed to be like britney spears oops i did it again like mm-hmm. schoolgirl fetish stuff under a robe anyway um so yeah they find a note that says gone fishing which is really setting the tone for this episode, which is that 
no one is sad about Simon's death anymore, slash borderline, no one remembers he existed. Well, Whereas yeah. one of the things we liked about season two was that his presence still loomed large in the form of a giant portrait of him and his literal ghost. I suppose the thought is, now that the he has been avenged, his mystery has been solved, he is no longer a source of dramatic tension. He has been effectively replaced by James Hill with, uh, in terms of having a father figure, for uh, Eleanor, at least. In short order, Helena finds out that uh, Cyrus, who has installed, like, a, a closed-circuit television it's a monitor. video intercom. Yeah, a, a video, video intercom, intercom in his door. Uh, because it's really good quality. <laughs> it is pretty good quality. It looks like you're talking to him through a microwave. I mean, he could have just installed, like, a... I feel like a, a window, like, that you slide back or something, but I guess this works too. No, he doesn't want anyone to be able to snatch at his DNA, so... But a window would is, solve that problem too. This is part of multiple issues that Cyrus is having right now. I'm glad that he's being bitchy and villainous again, and I felt like I could sense... I feel like when he and Elizabeth Hurley are in a scene with each other... They love each other. I feel like those actors love each other. And even though they always have to play being in each other's throats, they can't really hide the fact that they're having a super good time playing off each other. And I think uh, Cyrus just brings out the best in the actor Elizabeth Hurley. Like, her best scenes usually happen opposite Cyrus. So I enjoyed this. Um, I was going to say he has two problems. One is that the Queen wants his DNA to prove that Liam and Eleanor are biologically Henstridge children. Mm -hmm. The other is that he still has cancer, so I imagine he he's needs to say germ-free or germ-light to as much of an extent as possible. Technically, though he does not know that he has this problem, his third problem is that Robert, who is definitely a Henstridge child, is still alive. I really do want to talk in detail about some issues there. But uh, I have in my notes, spite cremation. Cyrus right. cremated Simon out of spite, basically. And which threw him is in the, in, the, in the river, in the Thames, a I guess. solid, yeah, solid uh, villain move. I was a little bit bummed out. I was a little bit sad. I, I'll be honest. Before this episode aired, I was nervous about what these characters were going to retain from the previous season. And I was pretty glad that we introduced Cyrus again, not being like mournful about his missing wife or child or lady friend or whatever. And (laughs) instead he goes straight back to being a complete scheming, open dick like everybody knows he's an asshole i like him being a villain i would never not argue that but i liked that in spite of the fact that he was a villain like one of the one genuine things about him was that he did have some compassion for simon his brother that's true he didn't kill him and so i didn't totally love that detail, but it makes sense. It wasn't really about Simon. It's about spiting Helena by keeping Simon's DNA from her. I feel like whatever small amount of compassion he had for Simon would probably not extend too far to his corpse, which I don't think he'd have any compunctions about. I mean, cremation is not inherently disrespectful. A lot of people do it. No, 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 but it wasn't... It didn't seem to be... There's there's a difference between cremating someone because it's their wishes and then like respectfully spreading their ashes and digging them up from their tomb cremating them in secret and spreading their ashes in a random spot in secret to spite people i suppose so um 
but I'm I don't still know. attached to Simon, I guess. That's part of the problem. I mean, his the thing was, I enjoyed that his presence did loom large over season two, even though that season was excessively mournful in many other instances. I really think that's probably just not going to be the case anymore in the slightest. I doubt we see that actor again. The video cameras in the doors have a double, or the video screens have a double purpose because the Royals logo comes up on the video screen, and then as created by Mark Schwann comes up, there's thunderous applause. Over, yes, over, created by Mark Schwann huge applause and i mean it cuts to liam and eleanor on a talk show but it feels deliberate that the applause cuts in right underneath his name i think it's supposed to cue in when the royals card shows up instead of when mark schwann's name comes up but it definitely goes over both it doesn't seem that way no it doesn't it does not come up over the royals title card it's Hmm. still just instrumental under the royals title card i noticed this because i played it back it was just a funny moment but yeah i I mean we historically like it when they get creative with the title card and this qualifies i think so uh liam and eleanor are on a talk show that's kind of like watch what happens live on bravo with andy cohen meets jimmy fallon doing the tonight show Mm mm-hmm uh, it's like pretty lowbrow comedy. Basically, the host just makes a bunch of jokes about how they have sex with a bunch of people and like slut shames the prince and princess in front of the nation. It's very bizarre because I will say they seem no. very okay with it. Like not to approve that behavior, but in the case of Liam and Eleanor, uh, they do not seem to mind in the slightest. And in fact, later talk about how well it went. No, they play it off because they're very charming and they actually do a really funny gag where the host uh-huh. is like, who in this audience haven't you slept with? That guy and points this super old man and Eleanor is like, oh, I remember him. And yeah. Liam's like, hey, I remember him too. Like implying that they both had sex right. with him. It was a very, very charming moment. It was. And one of many jokes that actually landed in this episode. Yeah, I mean, there's a Part fair of share of They had don't, adorable but... reactions from the old man. Mm-hmm. But no, what's the idea that there wouldn't be like a publicity team for the palace in place that would, you know, shut down that sort of thing. Prince Harry was sort of a party prince in his younger days, and I don't believe that talk show hosts would ever talk to him like that in real life on air. Let's not forget, and it's hard to pinpoint the time frame because, as we have said in the past, time doesn't matter on this show. And the season is always like springtime. It's always warm enough to just wear a jacket and it's raining. Right. So I guess the part with the bones must have happened like the same day that season two ended. But this is alleged to be two weeks later. Oh, my gosh. We are in the past. This is the period piece now. This is basically the crown on Netflix. the, The guy at the talk show says that it was two weeks since Ted was. And again, he doesn't say this. Ripped limb from limb by an uncontrollable yes, mob. Torn apart. Rent. Yeah. Rent asunder. Rent apart. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. A modern day drawing and quartering at a football match. It does seem weird that two weeks after the King's Killer was dramatically revealed by the prince and then ripped into pieces by British citizens. Um. <laughs> That Liam would just be making small talk on a comedy comedy night show, talk show. Where is, like, the British Barbara Walters to do, like, an incisive tell-all? Because it feels bizarre to have, like, this host who basically seems like he could be on 
a VJ on MTV back in the day, being the one to ask. It's been two weeks since that awful day at the King's Cup. By all accounts, it seems as though you wanted to show that video. But considering what happened next, why don't you let the court decide the man's fate? And Eleanor jumps in and saves Liam by saying, like, justice was served. The, and people the people made it. Yeah, the people made their choice. Yeah, which is cold, but it got the job done. Uh, I feel like, yeah, this episode sort of glossed over the fact that Ted was someone they knew really, really well. Mm-hmm. And they watched him die a horrible, violent death. But that's fine, because I'm more into, like, the flirtatious side of things anyway. Ex- except Liam is 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 very broody over the subject, but nobody else seems too bothered. We'll get to it. Rachel, who is... Uh, dressed in like traditional sexy schoolgirl fare for i guess a dominatrix date that she has set up like i said very britney circa oops i did it again helena walks in on her getting dressed in this uh, sort of provocative manner and we'll keep a counter for this says this place is weird that's one Ugh, Before- i don't like this joke I, I don't think it lands. This is one of the jokes that does not work. Uh, they keep trying to make this place as weird a thing, and this place is weird is not a thing. Yeah. But, but, uh, Helena is lamenting the fact that she hasn't had sex in forever again. I feel like it can't have been more than a few weeks. I don't remember the last time she had sex in season two, but I feel like it had to be relatively recently. And Rachel says, I can set you up with an escort. And, uh. Yes. I mean, it's sort of a perfunctory setup for something that happens later, but, uh, and she also it's, notes. <laughs> it's the setup for a joke that they think the is most predictable hilarious. Thing. Yeah. It's like something straight out of like a Cinemax boobs comedy or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Animal um, House or not Animal House. What am I thinking of? Um, all those movies that are on Netflix and like there are thousands of iterations of them. National Lampoon's The Naked Mile, National Lampoon's sure. Van Wilder's Pot-Soaked Flashback, like I don't know. Raunchy teen comedy, yeah. Yeah. Liam is sulking in a limousine with Eleanor and Jasper after the talk show. Uh, Jasper's sort of trying to flirt with Eleanor. She's been flirting with him, but whenever he tries to flirt back, she basically shuts him down. Mm-hmm. There's like a funny exchange she mentions a pretty young thing when she's on the talk show and, like, gives him a look backstage. But then when he brings it up in the limousine, she's like, that that wasn't talking about you. Like, mm-hmm. you're being very forward. So there's they're doing their, you know, their will they, won't they back and forth. And Eleanor basically tells Liam, like, that guy trapped you with that question. And it was wildly inappropriate. For a comedy for talk setting. show. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. That's pretty much it. They're basically just setting up that Liam is super, like, sulky and angsty, and uh, he says Robert would have known what to do. Cut to... Mm-hmm. Fucking Robert, man! We've been waiting three seasons for this guy, or two full yeah. seasons. And he's... We, knew, we guessed he was alive from the beginning. Zach we and did. I really kept the flame burning on this one. There's, I mean, they never showed a picture of him, which screams, we are going to cast this person later. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the casting real quick. Okay. If I don't think they're going to do this plot, but if they were going with the plot line that Robert was the only Simon's only biological child, did they nail the casting or what? Um, I like gasped when he was clean shaven in a later scene 
he has like the exact same head shape his the placement of his eyes and the shape of his eyes and his brow everything he looks like he could play a, like a younger version of the actor who plays Simon in a movie or a TV show no problem I guess I didn't really think to look for that but I will on future episodes I was I mean when his beard with his castaway beard not noticeable at all when mm -hmm. He's clean shaven. There's a moment that comes in a scene later on that I don't want to spoil because we'll get to it, where they show him as he must have looked in the past. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I thought that was that was just very effective casting. Well, they've done well in the past with that because like Eleanor and Helena could be mother and daughter in real life and you would totally buy it. I guess Shannon kind of mentioned it there, but Robert has gone like full Tom Hanks castaway living on an yeah. island where there is. He has to. Apparently no natural resources that I could see on screen of any kind, yet he is getting by. Um, he's fishing. Yeah, I suppose probably primarily fish. Later he's dragging- he has survival skills. He's good at everything. We've established that he is like the perfect human being. He's Jesus Christ. And I, I don't, again, this is the problem with the chronology of the show, because I don't know how long he's been on this island. <laughs> so it's, I think the minimum- Less than a year- Couple the, of months. No, the minimum is nine months because Cyrus had sex with that health lady <gasps> and she had a baby. So it's. But Prudence had her baby. Like, you know, that thing gestated over like two months. But I mean, based on the Prudence scale, this is like <laughs> alternate timelines shit. Show lines up with that. No, it doesn't. But Tom's it takes. A flat circle. I guess, unless in the Royals universe, like how New York and London are. 20 minutes apart babies gestate <laughs> in like two and a half months it's like i don't the know sims yeah something like that but if procreation and pregnancy <laughs> works the same way in the royals universe as it does in ours universe it you has have a minimum no proof you have a minimum no of proof. nine months and a maximum <laughs> of more than that because how long it had been between simon and robert's death is super vague in the first season. It could have been a year. We don't know. I decided that I might hate Robert based on the fact that when he's alone on a desert island eating raw fish, he eats it with chopsticks. Where did like, he get fuck those? fuck you, man. Did he whittle chopsticks? God damn it! He crafted chopsticks of the debris somehow. I was like, you're such a prince that when you're alone on a desert island, you're not just going to gnaw on that thing. You're going to eat it sashimi style. But you know they just did it so they could do their favorite cut, thing to yeah. do, an artsy cut. cut. Where, yeah, uh, Robert is eating with his homemade chopsticks. And then Helena is, you know, eating fancy sushi and just in her gilded dining room where uh, – Eleanor and Liam are just texting away, ignoring her, ignoring each right. other. All the way at the other end of the table, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I decided to start caring about you at the end of last season. So now yes. we have to play Mother Knows Best. So they've decided to keep the personality trait where Helena has empathy for her children or other people in general, which they adopted late last year. I like the idea that Helena is loyal to her children, even though she's a disloyal, backstabbing, you know, manipulator. Sure. But I wish they had done that from the beginning of the show, because it would have made so much sense, especially because we haven't really gotten into it yet, but this show uh, is supposedly loosely based on Hamlet, and that makes Helena Gertrude, and so I think it would have made more sense if all along Helena was like, you know, 
fuck everyone except for me and my children. Like, I will do whatever it takes to keep me and my family in power. Right. But instead they decided to do, you know, two seasons of bulimia jokes at Eleanor and all of that jazz. Right. She was um, just a non-comedic Lucille Bluth for basically most of two seasons. And yeah. then, And then she became a caring, if a little sarcastic mother. I, again, I like this turn. I just wish it had, it was something that had been a little more established or it were like when Robert died, she had decided to really take Liam and Eleanor under her wing, which was definitely not the case because she did her best to minimize their mourning and their mourning of their father at every turn. Sure. Um, but anyway, she is, because she cares about them now, asking about their business. Every season, everyone gets a personality transplant, so why am I even bothering? Sure. yeah. We'll get to another one that happens fairly soon. Liam has apparently been super busy since, again, the crowd uh, congregated on a man and, using their hands and only their hands, tore him to pieces. <laughs> Eleanor, meanwhile, has done almost nothing at all. What's yeah. the What's the deal with that? I thought Eleanor was going to be the people's princess, and, you know, we've seen her at all these inspiring moments with charity and with helping people, and now... Uh, they bring up, you know, the drought victims and the flood victims, and she's like, well, can't they just give the extra water from one to the other? She's like, I get it. The show wants her to forever be, like, the sarcastic, cool girl, mm-hmm. but they also want her to really have a heart, so they they kind of swing wildly between the two. And but I'm I... hoping now that it seems like she's getting over her substance abuse problem, we'll see a little bit more of, like, the side of her that really cares about the common people, because that's what makes her a good compelling character in my opinion well at least for this episode they clearly decided to focus on the romantic aspect of helena and not on the relationship to the in fact eleanor eleanor yes correct (laughs) welcome to stage of fools (laughs) where i constantly mix up the names and not on her relationship to the people in fact by and large i don't think this episode really concentrated much on the relationship to the people so much as interrelationships between the characters no i know that wasn't the focus but for her to be so callous about it was what surprised me right that's just so out of character helena thinks that eleanor should basically start branding things like she should put her name on various products just to get Sort of, I guess, a cultural image of herself more heavily cultivated. I mean, if you want to make money, it's not a bad idea. They don't really need money. They do not need money. I'm not entirely sure what the purpose of this branding campaign is. She's already insanely wealthy and well-known to everybody. Her and I mean, it's just a foot race. Who's more beloved between Liam and Eleanor among the people? It's not like she has a reputation that needs rehabilitation by making her some sort of a cult figure. She already is a cult figure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Helena just wants to make the family brand even stronger, just in case they can't prove that Eleanor and Liam are legitimate. I suppose that's it probably a fair doesn't concern. go that deep. Although they don't say that explicitly. Um, no. Anyways. The dinner is interrupted when Rachel informs Helena that, quote, the pig is out of the pen, uh, which she clarifies to mean Cyrus has left his room. Yes. And she runs off. And here's number two. Liam's response is, this place is weird. Yeah. Still pushing that one. It's stuff that is like the stuff they're saying this place is weird is stuff that they have been like putting up with for as long as we've known them as characters. Like, mm-hmm. Helena has known that Rachel is a sex worker for a long time. Liam knows his mother's personality and has. And it's forever. not even 
in this case, particularly weird for like, how strange is it for some, for Rachel to come in and say, uh, Cyrus is, uh, out of his room and his mother to just leave the table as though she needs to talk to him. That doesn't seem particularly weird to me. Especially because they spent all of last season wondering if their mother and Cyrus had conspired to murder someone. So they know that those two are always scheming. That's true. And when they're not openly hating each other, like they know the relationship <laughs> that these two have. I love that they're openly hating each other, especially because, like I said, it's clear that uh, Eleanor, uh, not Eleanor, Jesus, now I'm doing it. Elizabeth Hurley and the actor who plays Cyrus, whose name escapes me right now, but he's very good. Mm-hmm. Um they have just a great time hating each other more so than getting along. I mean, it's, anyways, it turns out it's just an excuse to get Elizabeth Hurley out of the scene because it turns out it's his double anyway and it doesn't matter. But uh, so we're still doing doubles. I thought something very interesting was said in this conversation after Helena leaves. Right. Eleanor is talking to Liam about how he needs to, like, take a break from just running around being constantly busy and how she knows he's kind of like trying to distract himself. But what I thought was really interesting was she admits in words, she says, we engineered a public execution. Admitting, I mean, just between the two of them, but that is still saying out loud, like, we conspired to have a man killed. We knew what was going to happen. We knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We assumed that the British people were bloodthirsty (laughs) monsters who would slaughter a man with their bare hands. That's what uh, Helena has taught them since they were little tiny children. You and apparently correctly. We have yeah. we have been proven correct in our assessment of the British people. First Brexit and then this. Apparently, yeah. So Jasper is... Too soon. Yeah. Well, Jasper is uh, angry with Liam after Eleanor leaves because he feels like Liam is kind of taking up all of his time and torpedoing his chances with Eleanor. And this is the start of when I noticed a change in Jasper that I actually approve of in that he has real emotions, some of which are not negative emotions. He can express excitement. He can make jokes. (gasps) Oh my god! He can be happy or optimistic. It is a whole new day for Jasper. Would you call him uh, Jasper 2.0? I might call him Jasper 2.0, the new upgraded version. (laughs) It's nice. I mean, in the first season, he got to have flippant moments, but it was always because he was on the verge of coercing someone into sex. Or manipulating. Yeah. And then he spent all of season two either brooding or sulking. So this, he was like a little ray of sunshine this episode. Yeah. And the actor who. Beside ourselves. The actor who we have not gotten. Yeah. We have not gotten him. To see him do many of acting of this type very much on the show. No. I think for the most part, he does it pretty well. You know, he's funny on Twitter and on social media, so it seemed always like he had a dry British wit, uh, but he absolutely never had even the smallest chance to show it off before. So, yeah, it was definitely a huge improvement. I mean, like, night and day. So, that was great. He's trying to get back in Eleanor's good graces, and... We've talked extensively about his behavior in the first season. We also talked in season two, which is that he essentially raped her. He he blackmailed her into sex on a number of occasions. And it's... Also, he told her that he drugged her and had sex with her while she was semi-conscious and out of it. Right. Although it, that turned out not to be true. But if you still tell someone that you raped them, that's... 
and they have no way of knowing whether or not that was the case. You're still in like a dark, dark, dark gray area of sexual sure. assault. And so, this, yeah. The show has since realized that that is not who they want Jasper to be and that that was a mistake. <laughs> this started in season two. No, I think they realized after episode one that that was a mistake because within season one, they had decided, oh, no, no, he was lying. He did not have sex. He didn't tape it. Oh, no, no, no. Not only did he not tape it, he didn't have sex with her. Not only did he not have sex with her and tape with it, he did not drug her. He did not drug her, have sex with her and tape it. So it was all a lie, but it was an incredibly shitty lie. They're falling away from it even more. Like, I think the whole blackmailed her into sex with this non-existent sex tape thing, like, I am pretty it positive. Never happened. Never happened. It the never real happened. crux of their problem is he conspired with another woman to steal a crown jewel. And that was a betrayal of her trust. Yes, a bisexual woman named Mandy who wore incredibly short jean shorts who they both had sex with. <laughs> right. So So there was a lot. I just want to I don't want to oversimplify that conflict. There was a lot going on there. Noting how awful that was real quick, but also saying we're not going to dwell on it anymore because otherwise it's just going to be a constant sort of shade over any scene between Eleanor and Jasper and some of them are kind of nice so far yes. this season. Yeah, so we decided that because the show is deciding it didn't happen, it's not that the show is trying to get us to forgive Jasper for committing a sexual assault. It's the show is saying, we didn't write that. That never happened. Right. So in order to get through this season and have some fun, which is what we want this podcast to be, uh, even though obviously Zach and I take sexual assault very, very seriously, and we took it seriously when we were talking about it on the show, we're just going to put that to bed right. and decide if, that basically the central conflict was that he conspired to rob her. Right. If you want to hear us talk about that in detail, listen to an old episode. We talked about it in depth a number yeah. of times. If anything, we talk about it too much, not not enough. So we've just decided to cut ourselves a little bit of slack because you know what, guys? Since the last time we talked, a lot of dark shit has gone down. Sure. And we are just muddling through as best as we can. And we hey. know you are too... We want to enjoy this goofy show for what it is. And we have uh, the promising gift of a not bad season opener for the Royals to at least help cheer us up. And we're not going to throw yeah. that away. Yeah, we're feeling um, really good. And we want we want everyone to uh, be on board in that vein. Real Cyrus, not double Cyrus, is in his room. And during, oh, uh, the return of another Royals favorite. Uh, so on the nose... <laughs> Uh, soft rock music underplaying. We didn't a, a even montage. mention the fact that when Robert was revealed, they were playing a soft rock song that was saying "I'm alive" over and over again. Mm -hmm. A classic Royals move, the most on-the-nose song choice during yes. various montages. <laughs> Lyrics that just state what's going on, like you're in an opera. Uh, Cyrus notices some of his hair is falling out, presumably from his chemotherapy treatment, and begins to shave his head. But does not finish. He goes with a look that's barely not like baby fascist. He's like half hipster, half fascist. He actually looks right. exactly like the one of the white supremacists from This Is England. Right. It's like a th it's like a mohawk but thicker, ba like larger, yeah. more or less. It's like in between a mohawk and a really high um. What's it called? When guys have hair shaped really tight on the sides, but then uh, longer on top. It's really I, I, popular with hipsters and fascists right now. Uh, I'm neither of those things. I might be one of those things. 
but I'm definitely you are not a hipster. You own like one pair of shoes. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so I don't know what that is called. But uh, well, yeah. you can imagine it. But it's amazing. It's kind of an amazing scene. I don't understand how this solves. Say, oh, something about how you'll be a legend or legendary or something like that. Of um, course. Anyways, I don't understand how it solves his balding problem because that part of the hair is presumably also going to go bald from chemotherapy, but all right. Maybe he's going to have a, this hair, weird haircut, this kind of Mr. T haircut for a little bit, and then he'll shave the rest of it off later on. And go full I don't know. Walter White or something. Yeah, go full. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll look really villainous with the shaved head. I'm kind of looking mm -hmm. forward to it if that happens. Anyways, there's... The next, there's a joke next that lands, I think, maybe best of any jokes in the entire episode. My, this might be my favorite scene of the episode. I mean, we'll get to that when we talk about favorite moments, because sure. there's a, still a lot to talk about. Jasper is watching the security monitors, and he sees Eleanor enter her room, and she looks pointedly at the security monitor, and then kind of, she sort of, you know, her body language becomes obviously provocative, and... She turns around and, like, sort of bends over to tie her shoelace. And Jasper is obviously watching intently when James Hill suddenly enters the room. <laughs> and Jasper has this reaction that's, like, a sudden jolt. Like, if you're watching, like, if you had porn on your computer monitor and your parents came in the room, it's the exact same kind of jolt. I was just hanging back because I wanted to hear you describe that scene. <laughs> And you did not disappoint. Um, yes. It's really funny. Uh, he sort of like has a joystick and he's like literally zooming in on her. She's wearing denim cutoffs, of course, because mm -hmm. this is Eleanor. And James Hill says, Is this what passes for romance these days? When he sees Jasper, uh, watching on the monitor. And Jasper is, again, he's playing this off very funny. Um, he's like, she, she knows I'm watching and she wants me to watch. Like she wants me to see. And James Hill says, He's tying his shoe. And Jasper says, Those shoes don't have any laces. And yeah. James Hill is kind of like, Okay, you crazy kids. He doesn't say anything, but she just looks at Jasper with like quiet so British exasperation. Yeah. So much so, I guess, he's so charmed by this exchange, I guess, that he had, he uh, decides to help Jasper set up a romantic <laughs> gesture. That, it's weird. Um, we can actually get to pretty quickly because there's a quick shot of Liam entering a shady building in an alley that's like a cheap alley set from a horror movie yes. lit by like a garbage <laughs> fire. Yeah, there's, gar <laughs> there's got to be a garbage fire. Like we got to dedicate some of this budget to a garbage yeah. fire. Obviously, and there's, a and there's this guy who goes, man. "You sure you want to do this?" Yeah, and then Liam's like, "Yes, I need to." More or less. And the guy's like, it's your funeral, and sends him on in. <laughs> exactly that. Flawless mm -hmm. accents. But Eleanor is trying to make her brand, you know, uh, like Helena suggested, whether she wants to or not. There's and an Eleanor these... product montage. Yeah. And she's saying all these pitches from different people. And they're all terrible. Uh, did any stand out to you? Oh, a lot of them stood out to me. Uh, there's the umbrellanors, which have in the, are like, uh, umbrellas with inflatable crowns attached on top, which are incredibly tacky. Mm -hmm. There's like, um, Eleanor fashion for very, very little girls. And the little girls they use are pointedly sad in the scene. Like, like you can tell from their faces. 
And Eleanor says they look like whores, which I didn't love because they're still, sluts, you know, those yeah. little, still, either way, yeah. still little child actors. Uh, there's an energy drink that Eleanor seems to keep an open mind about. The children's attire, the children's attire is clearly based on the kinds of things Eleanor wears, which- Which are crazy. Yeah, to be fair, should not be worn by children. In one of these scenes, Eleanor is wearing basically a bejeweled, transparent net like a figure skating top, you know, like mm-hmm. how figure skaters wear transparent netting with crystals on it. But it being Eleanor, she's wearing it with like a black uh, strapless bra because, okay, sure. But, you know, it's Alexandra Park. She carries off the fashion very well. She's like an extremely tall, extremely thin woman. So she pretty much has a, like a runway model's body. Uh, but yeah, it's very jarring on these little girls there's an energy drink that she seems to actually kind of keep an open mind about, but then she tastes it and it's like passion fruit flavored. And she says, you can't spell passion without ass, can you? And the guy right. selling it looks befuddled and she explains to him, you can't. Right. And I was enjoying this montage so much until it took a turn for the incredibly cheesy when Jasper walks in presenting the product Jasper no, 2.0. Oh, no, no. James, James Hill. James, well, James Hill walks presents in. It. Okay. Yeah. James Hill you walks play. in and says, "I can't bear it." James Hill says, "There's one last product for you to uh, review." And Eleanor's like, "Okay, send it in." And it's just Jasper, and he's like, "Presenting Jasper 2.0." And I can't remember if James Hill or Jasper is like, "No, Jasper says like, I'm the new version who will never take you for granted or betray your trust or <laughs> diminish. Like, it's all these, like, okay, I'm going to be, like, a good person to you now. And he's like, so what do you think? And she's like, well, keep an open mind to it. <laughs> anyways, she immediately follows her. By the way, I want to note something at this point in the episode that is noted earlier and is noted again. Jasper is not Eleanor's bodyguard. He is Liam's bodyguard. Now he is. He was Eleanor's bodyguard. Right. And he does a bad job at being <laughs> Liam's bodyguard because he is fucking never with him. Never this watching This is him. how people get stabbed. There have been so many royal murders recently and attempted murders. Take your job and a little bit. military more. accidents. Yeah, exactly oh, so. wink, wink. But meanwhile, Liam is sneaking off every night to hobo fire... alleyways without Jasper being any the wiser and Jasper is still complaining that Liam is taking all of his time all you have is free time my man but this is just uh the writers aren't paying attention but yes you're right they are clearly Uh, still in the Ted Price Jasper would be bad at his job right but all the bodyguards except for Marcus were bad at their job so I guess it's continuing James Uh, Hill is Okay. Pretty good. Hey, James Hill's job. good. He's all right. No, you were giving him too much credit because we like him. Last year, he let Eleanor do whatever she wanted. And she ended up getting embroiled in the whole bandy thing, which would not That's have true. happened if James Hill had interfered. But uh, Jasper does. He, sh- I mean, he does look after Eleanor quite well because he follows her out of this meeting, and she's complaining that she doesn't want to do any of these products, and she's like, "Why do I have to do this anyway?" And he's like. Because people look up to you, because you're confident, and blah, blah, blah. This is kind of, almost, like last year they had those scenes where a man would tell Eleanor what she could be. Except this time, 
he was just talking about how she is now and being complimentary. I feel like that's a step up. But it was really nice. He talks about uh, like Eleanor, how she presents the idea of a woman who can defy convention and, you know, who doesn't have to go along with completely what's expected of her. And now she can be a role model in that sense. And Eleanor seems genuinely moved. And I was as well. Uh, like I said, I'm happy that she's put the drugs and drinking away in part just because it was getting really, really monotonous to watch her kind of get fucked up over and over again with never really any change. Right. But um, in part because I would love to see some genuine character development this season because she's really been spinning her wheels more than any other character. She has so little to do. I feel like the show loves her. Obviously, Alexandra Park is a great actress. Eleanor's a fan favorite. She's a fun character to write for, I'm sure, because she's very, you know, sarcastic and witty and stuff. But uh, she has not had a lot to do plot wise. So it's good that she's kind of cleaned up and maybe can finally get back in the mix. Sure. Um, well, anyways, they cap off this nice scene with him noting that she likes this eyeliner and he seems to be like, maybe I can get you a sponsorship with them. And she says, I like this eyeliner. And of course, because we have to have something incredibly cheesy, he responds with, I like the eyes. So oh. it's still not it's as like bad. They have me and they lose me. Uh, it's still not as bad as um, like some of the stuff we've seen in past seasons, which I don't want to revisit. But yes. Anyways, Jasper has a nice little moment where he celebrates in the secret tunnel. Mm -hmm. And Everything also... happens in the secret tunnels. Everything yeah. happens in the secret tunnels, man. That's a royal's yeah. tradition. Yes. That might be like one of the only sets they have, honestly, because so many things happen in the secret tunnels. Because Eleanor says that she forgives him for everything. So Liam, uh, well, Helena makes James the new head of security. Uh, I don't feel like there's a lot to break down in that scene. Right, I don't you think You know, so Helena's being nice to him, but James has never really pissed her off at all so it's not like she's like being that magnanimous he's the obvious person to promote for that job she's not gonna make it she's not gonna make jasper the other one bodyguard the entire royal family has right but uh james hill being james hill of course goes to eleanor and is like is it okay with you that i'm taking this uh promotion and not um considering not staying on as your bodyguard i guess that happens later on but i thought i would just get it out of the way yeah, uh, he doesn't take it. He says he's considering it, so. Yeah, uh, but he's going to ask Eleanor before he takes it. Uh, but then I wanted to skip ahead to Liam meeting up with a character Zach and I have been mistakenly referring to as Genevieve or Jen. And I probably will continue to do on this podcast. It's hard not to. So the actress's name is Genevieve Gaunt, which is the fucking coolest name ever. She was in Harry Potter as the first actress to play Pansy Parkinson. I believe she was later replaced but she was probably most notably in Chamber of Secrets and the Sorcerer's Stone. Great name. Also a very Harry Potterish name because of the Gaunt family from uh, Voldemort's side of things. Uh, and her character's name is actually Wilhelmina, or Willow for short, which I did not know was a nickname for Wilhelmina, but apparently it is. Um, she's at one of those trendy restaurants where... They only serve, like, cereal, and she's having a bunch of sugary children's cereal. They're kind of falling back on that thing they do a lot with Willow, which is, like, she's a chick who can hang. Like, she's this mm -hmm. incredibly, shockingly beautiful woman, but she's always, like, 
hold this plate and pile it with dessert, which, as I've mentioned, is a pro move that I love and will steal. Or, like, she's like, oh, it was fine because I got to have a bunch of cake and alcohol, which, again, that's how we all do feel. But with uh, with Willow, it's always played as, like, a big joke. Like, oh, can you believe how adorable she actually eats food? I mean, she's filling the role of... A woman who provides emotional support to Liam by telling him how great he is. Yes. Which is a constant thing in this show. But I will say, of the people who have filled that role, she is possibly my favorite one. So She's I'll give so her that charming. Much. I um, liked her from the first time we met her last season. Uh, she's just like really fun and kind of very laid back, almost too laid back. Like the time Liam told her to go to his room with the implication that he was going to meet her there and have sex with her. And he just never showed up. Right. Yes. That would be terrible. <laughs> and the fire alarm went off shortly thereafter as well. Yeah. Um, but and she I, was I, soaked in champagne from his dunk tank. Cause she thought right. she was about to have sex with him. Yes. I would imagine you would want to shower before. I mean, champagne, I imagine is very sticky, but anyways, I will note that I am looking forward to, after she tells him that he's a good guy and he doesn't have to worry about the fact that he orchestrated a man, again, being torn into tiny pieces by a ravenous crowd, and he notes that he can't get in touch with Ophelia, he's tried every which way he can, blah blah blah. It's about all there is to the scene. But I will say, jumping ahead a little, Willow um, does potentially have her own storyline this year, because- oh. Helena. She's a series regular now. She's a oh. series regular now. I was oh, going to tell you. I was going to mention that, but you got to it before I could. Well, Helena uh, she's is trying, series regular. Helena's trying to find the person who started the King Liam hashtag movement because she approves of it. She wants Liam's brand to, you know, grow, whatever. And this is a crazy plot line, by the way. This might be even more full of coincidences than Domino. Because if you remember, hashtag King Liam was the first comment on the video that Domino put up. Very first. Which Seconds means after that it Will went up. Which means that like, Willow's like, trolling the like YouTube. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Even when she doesn't know anything is coming. She had that Liam Google alert set up. <laughs> and she was just waiting for it. Um, uh... But she's at... Uh, an underground station, uh, waiting, uh, waiting for the train. And suddenly a bunch of black suited fellows step out from every other entrance on the platform, which is suddenly very empty. There is no one else around. I thought she was going to get pushed onto the tracks. I was very scary. There is no one around, which I mean, I myself, not to, uh, be that guy, but I've ridden the underground a great many times and I've never seen it that empty. That was very, yeah, I, very sinister. For a moment, I thought she was going to get murdered. But it turns out Helena figured out that she started the hashtag King Liam movement and wants to invite her to the palace to discuss it, basically. I don't totally understand how she figured it out. I don't know either. Matt, it's the internet. She had hackers. Hackers did it, I guess. <laughs> right. Right. Mr. I guess Robot, she, I you forgot. You know what? She looked up that video and found the first comment and it was, you know... Willow Genevieve 1986 or whatever it is. It was, yeah. The thing is, I 
I had to kind of remind myself, I don't think we've ever actually seen Willow and Liam kiss or in any way hook up or acknowledge that they're sexually attracted to each other. They're still doing this like... Except for that time, they almost had sex while she was covered they in didn't, champagne. They didn't. They didn't even kiss during that scene. And they never actually said, but they we're weren't. about to have sex. He just said, go back to my room. Well... <laughs> With the implication that I will follow you there and we will have sex. Okay. But enough. it was only implied because their faces um, were like this far apart from each other. But... She's, like, giving him advice about Ophelia and stuff. They're totally playing it like, it's his childhood friend, Willow. Yeah, maybe that's the angle. We'll see as the show progresses, because that's all she's in this episode for. Um, But, going back, just uh, to get that out of the way, in the palace, Helen is hanging around, and Cyrus decides he needs to have a talk with her, I guess. So, Cyrus enters, I guess, the dining room of the palace in a giant, like, flaming lip style body bubble it's like a boy in the plastic bubble bubble it's a it's a bubble yeah it's like a hamster wheel bubble no yeah, ventilation it's a, bubble. it's a bubble yes precisely he just walks it's in actually a kind of a great moment in terms of absurdity it is a very it was a pretty good moment because he doesn't want them to get his dna so he has this protective <laughs> bubble that he probably bought while he was drunk on amazon and waited i imagine he i imagine it was he had the same enthusiasm for when that bubble arrived as you as you and Luna did when her cat stroller al- arrived, I imagine. Uh, um, don't bring my cat stroller into this. He looks amazing, too. He's wearing, like, this, his signature red velvet suit look with, like, a fancy scarf draped around his neck, got the mohawk thing going on. Mm-hmm. And after he and Helena squabble with each other, Helena says, Roll away. Obviously a take on her catchphrase that has always tried to be a thing, but walk. never really been a thing. Walk right. away. And she, like, bops him on of, the bubble. <laughs> and speaking of catchphrases that they try to make a thing that are not a thing, when he enters in the bubble, there is a third. This place is weird. Now, <laughs> I didn't notice any more for the rest of the episode, so maybe halfway through writing the script, they were uh. like, this isn't going to work. And they just stopped the trying. The thing is, but, there's yeah. a world where the this place is weird joke works, but it doesn't really fall at any of the right moments, I guess, and doesn't really come from the right characters, because the people who are saying this place is weird are the most insider of insiders who really, this is their, like, daily life, and it shouldn't be weird to them. Anyways, Helena warns that... She doesn't say the word Domino, but that the guy who started Domino still has video of Dutchie confessing to a murder and that he could be a problem. And Cyrus is like, yes. And Cyrus is like, maybe I'll work with him to screw you over. (laughs) Maybe. And and that's pretty much the point of that scene. But um, Helena is angry from this meeting and meets a fella in the hallway. And she's like, yes. And she's like. Oh, did Rachel talk to you? And he's like, yes, of course I talked to Rachel. Uh, we mentioned... Shannon, I don't know if you can guess well, what's going to happen. Well, we mentioned that Rachel is in the process of employing a new Lord Chamberlain to replace Lucius. And some sort of mm-hmm. booty call prostitute situation for Helena to blow off some steam with. Gee, which right. one could this be? Hmm, I hope she didn't guess the wrong one. That would be embarrassing. She walks... Into the room and whatever, they have a short conversation where he seems a little put off for a sec at first, like uh, uncertain at first, but ultimately they have sex. He's a handsome young man. They have Um, sex where he's like encouraged to dominate her, you know, standard royal fare. 
and no one in the audience can see what is going to happen next. Yeah, it's very heavy It's a perfect handed. trick. It's extremely heavy handed. So, of course, it turns out that he was the candidate to be Lord Chamberlain, and there's actually this prostitute named Huge Grant, <laughs> because... Yeah, who shows up in a tearaway yeah, suit. Yeah, does his tearaway suit, they both see it, Helena gets in touch with Rachel, and Rachel explains what happened, and Helena, this actually was really funny, maybe the only part of the joke I actually liked, Helena says, like, we can't have mix-up like this happening. There has to be someone whose job it is to keep track of all the comings and goings of people. And Rachel says, the Lord Chamberlain would manage that. Right. Uh, so that's... It's insane that this guy would still be hired after he has sex with the queen. But he is still hired, and they promise yeah. to never speak of it again, uh, basically. His name is Spencer, just like every bro who went to college with me. Yes. Uh, but... Now is the time, Shannon, where we figure out what Liam is doing in his garbage firelit alleyway. Uh, would you care to explain? Uh, first, really quick first, Jeffrey Stewart meets Cyrus in the secret tunnels underneath the palace. Oh, yeah. And they say they're going to have a meeting. But Cyrus says, come up to my room. Then there is a fight club. Uh, this scene is one of those times when the royals tries to get really artsy. I think it kind of works in this scene except it would have worked a lot better if they'd been able to get the actor who oh, plays ted back and they definitely could not get the actor who plays ted to come back breezed over it and it's quite the relevation when it happens in the show just to be clear liam we cut to liam and he is in straight up a fight club from the movie fight club fighting yeah i'm gonna say that but it's a very artsy fight club scene yeah liam is pops off his shirt instantly we get some of that william mosley ab situation he shredded like lettuce this is why all the people saying king liam look like one direction fans uh he's the only one who's shirtless everyone else is wearing a shirt he's like well oiled up as he's fighting this guy he's imagining cyrus saying all this insulting stuff to Mm -hmm. him about how he was the spare and like it should have been Robert, et cetera, et cetera. And he imagines then, like, the he guy, yeah. sees himself as fighting Cyrus instead of fighting the, you know, bum or whoever he's fighting, the other vagrant man. I really don't know what the demographic is down there. I hope I don't accidentally use any I, insulting terms. I feel like Fight Club people may not, in a, in a traditional, like, Fight Club, Fight Club, they're not homeless people. They're just, like... I guess that's true. I don't know a lot about Fight Club. I've never actually seen or read Fight Club. Right. Uh, but he imagined that he's fighting Cyrus then, and then he imagines all the stuff that Ted said to him about how when you take a life, you can never take it back, and it's going to stay with you for a long time. And this is the part where it should switch, and he should imagine himself fighting Ted. But I do not believe that the actor who played Ted was willing to come back for this appearance, because he continues to fight Cyrus. I 100% agree that if they could, if they could have spared the money, if the guy was willing to come back, it would have switched to Ted. But they did not get that. It's like all my enemies rising up. And then, of course, the subject of his flashbacks switches to Robert. And just when it seems like Liam is actually going to beat this guy that he's fighting, the guy appears as Robert to him. But Robert, as Liam would have remembered him, very clean cut, hair combed over, military uniform. This is the one where I literally gasped out loud because of how much he looks like Simon. And Robert reaches out to put his hand on Liam's shoulder, and Liam seems kind of momentarily stunned. And then Robert, who's obviously not really Robert, he's the man that Liam is fighting, swings and knocks him out. His reaction to this implies to me that he is having a full 
like schizophrenic break from reality. They're really leaning into the Liam being Hamlet thing, but I'm actually okay with it. I would rather have a spunky, upbeat Eleanor and a brooding Liam than vice versa, because we've learned that vice versa really doesn't work. Sure. And, but and- when Liam goes on a bender, we get him singing like, I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> so. And also, Liam can take over the requisite amount of brooding from Jasper, so Jasper can be a kind yeah. of fun character, which is also a nice... And we've always said that William Mosley's a good actor, and we've always enjoyed his dramatic scenes. Like, he he has the acting chops to seem legitimately, like, he's, like, wild-eyed in this scene. I mean, I thought it was a little bit heavy-handed at times, but it was no through no fault of his. He was playing it off very well. Yeah. And again, just to note, uh, it's implied that, one, uh, Liam's been doing this for a while, Two things we can draw from that. One, Jasper is a terrible bodyguard. Two... He's not even trying. Apparently, Liam has, like, Wolverine-like healing abilities, because this man is not bruised in the slightest from his days and weeks of going to a fight club and getting the shit kicked out of him in his face. Later, she gets cleaned up, (laughs) and they're, like, cleaning off the blood... There is nary a bruise on this man. I don't know what to say. His body's just that hard, I guess. He Apparently. was shredded like lettuce. Yeah. I mean, I guess your face doesn't <laughs> usually get shredded, but that 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 that's fine. Um, that jawline, though. Sure. I don't know. Anyways. I, what do I know about fighting or any of that, really? I mean, I don't um, either, but I assume I assume that people get bruised in real life. Um, I wouldn't know personally. Cyrus... Cyrus tells Jeffrey Stewart, the domino conspirator, to release the video uh, revealing that Dutchie murdered uh, Dominique Stewart, and that also showed, like, the bad behavior of the queen and the Mm -hmm. prince and princess all kind of basically fucking around and doing drugs. And then when he's kind of convinced Jeffrey that he's willing to conspire with him to save his own reputation and ruin... Uh, the rest of the royal family. Right. He offers him a he great gives bunch him a of drink. money. He gives him a huge suitcase of money. Then he offers him a drink and is like, oh, don't worry. It's not poison. I am the king. I have people do my poisoning for yeah, me. Yeah, he says, I don't do my own wet work. It turns out the drink is poisoned. And yeah. then... Uh, Leo Cyrus says, Can I interest you in the antidote? <laughs> and... and then he takes the antidote and Cyrus goes, Actually, I lied. That was more poison. Which was my... That's my favorite joke of the episode, that the antidote was more poison, even though he had already... The actor who plays Cyrus plays it just like a very broad... It's just very, very funny, uh, like, broad comedy strokes. It's really good. And it's, A, we're back to murder already. B... Yes, thank God. um, It's where we know for sure, I think, that Cyrus is going full-blown villain version of cyrus uh this time um it also brings us back to hamlet because claudius is a poisoner and cyrus is the claudius of the show and he just poisons someone and i i just love the idea that cyrus would prepare this file of antidote for no other reason than to momentarily (laughs) give this man hope who was already dying. <laughs> it's really great. It's just, it's beat for beat. It plays out in such a fun way. And Jeffrey is so annoying. And his name is Jeffrey. So it's really no loss. It's just a good, good time. And there's a very real chance that that means 
that is just the end of the domino arc. I don't know if Duchy is going to show up again in this show ever again. Joan Collins, thank you for gracing us with your presence when you did. Yeah. Even if you never show up again. It's very possible that that's it for that whole domino arc, that they were like, okay, that didn't work out so well. Let's axe the thing. But we'll see. It was just dragging. They clearly had no idea how to actually write a plot, like a conspiracy plot together. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, uh, what if there's a telephone in the middle of an empty hallway and it starts ringing and there's a spotlight on it? Yeah, they wanted to do something with a little more That's political entry. That's how schemes work. And it just didn't work out so well. This is not House of Cards. This show is not. Right. So... Uh, Eleanor told Jasper to ask her out. She's waiting in her room in a very nice dress and all that jazz. He comes wearing a nice suit and asks if she wants to go out and do something. And she says she can't because she's painting her room. This is apparently another little test for him. Although it seems like maybe she was planning on actually going on a date with him. And at the last minute, she got nervous and decided to kind of throw up this at the last minute. Empty excuse. So he goes, he actually, but he's like doing due diligence to prove that he really wants to be with her. So he apparently goes to get paint and then they paint over the wallpaper in her yeah. room, which is he just, uh, not something that you do. Well, he's just, just like the wallpaper first. Yeah. I mean, he's like, at first he's a little exasperated with her for kind of going back on saying earlier, you should ask me out tonight. And then when she says she's painting her room, he's just like, okay, I'm going to do that okay, too. Okay, then, then we're going to paint your room, yeah. yeah. And they and she like purposely fucks up his clothes with paint, and he has a really good attitude about it. I'm like, last year you would have been brooding. I'm glad you got on that new antidepressant, Jasper. I'm so happy for you. And they have a nice scene where they're painting the door and the wall where, where she spray painted forever ago. Um yeah. And yeah, more I, evidence probably that she's getting clean off drugs because I felt like the that was always very symbolic of her drug and alcohol use that she had kind of like she would go on these benders and kind of trash the place. Oh, and I kind of like my favorite aspect. One of my favorite little touches in that scene, which is kind of a sweet scene that works overall, is the conversation starts because there's a little bit of paint on the sleeve of Jasper's shirt. And she's like, I'm sorry, I ruined your shirt. And and uh, they, they, they'll they talk for a while, and then she's like, he's like, it's just clothes. And she's like, clothes are everything. And she turns, and as she turns, she subtly but purposefully puts a lot more paint on the same spot. Yeah. And I liked that yeah. touch quite a bit. It was really fun. It's a cute scene. If they're actually going to be fun and cute, and he's going to treat her with respect this year, then I'm like all for it. I've never been known to be you know, a Grinch about romantic relationships, and I usually like romance on TV shows, so if there's actually a relationship on this show that I can root for, it would kind of be a I'd first, be, I think. I'd be okay with them being stable for a while. I don't know what their conflict this season will be, if that's the case, but yeah. It hasn't been revealed yet, I suppose, if they're going to be stable for at least a little while, but we'll see. Anyways, um, Liam also has... Another emotional support girl <laughs> that he goes to see. He has so many. I he know. He collects so many. them. He's a hoarder of these <laughs> emotional support women. Um, so if you're new to Stage of Fools, just to clarify, Liam is often paired with a character who's a very, very beautiful young woman who's mm-hmm. usually his age or even significantly younger mm-hmm. who 
knows almost nothing about him, but repeatedly tell him how great he is just because he is. He's great because he can believes he can be great. So he will be because he is. So he will be because he already is. Usually um, they're extremely bland in, in character. Like the characters are. And they put up with a lot of abuse. Uh-huh. Not like he's not like Jasper. He's not like sexually harassing these women, but he will like ignore them slash forget about them slash have five of them on the hook at once. So he goes to a bar and there's some woman who tells him that Ted wasn't his fault and blah, 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 cleans him up. And he implies, even though we've never seen this woman before, that he wronged her in the past or or let her down in some way he says quote i thought about you a lot i should have done more for you yeah is she supposed to be dominique jr who suddenly aged five years and grew breasts because the last one had none See, when i first watched the episode i wasn't sure who she was supposed to be i wasn't sure if she was a recast there's dominique no jr. mention of it I didn't know There's she was a new character. None. I assumed she wasn't Dominic she... Jr. because I think she has an American accent. She does not. No, okay. Maybe I just she heard it on a She does not have an American accent. Maybe I just heard it on a certain You point. also wonder if she was a recast Ophelia, which she's definitely not. I thought I heard... She does not have an American accent. All right. Well, I, may... I don't know. I must... I must have just heard it on one line. Yeah, but um, until Liam said that at the very end of their conversation... I thought the idea was that he goes to this fight club and then she's always patching him up, you know, like he goes to the bar after fight club and he'll always be like bleeding or whatever. And yeah. she takes pity on him because he's so, you know, shredded like lettuce. Um, but then when he said that line at the end, I was like, is this going to be something we're going to learn about later? Where like he met her and she's in some sort of like abusive situation. We're just going to have to we don't wait know. and see on this one. The if anyone knows... If anyone is listening who actually watches the Royals and who understands what's happening, please get in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook, Stage of Fools right. Podcast. My working theory, or on Twitter at Stage my of belief Pod. is that it's a brand new character with whom he has undisclosed backstory. But they also... Okay, that's what I think, too. They also don't... Like, it would have helped if they gave her a name in a clear way. <laughs> but as far as I know, yeah. they don't. Her whole introduction is very in unclear because for a while she's, like, avoiding him. She's standing at the opposite end of the bar and, like, obviously trying to m not make eye contact. Right. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, finally, that's we, pretty much it. There's one other thing that's worth noting. More or less. And that's that yeah. uh, we see a couple other flashbacks to Robert and we realize something specific about him. So he sees a ship in the distance at one point. And mm -hmm. he runs for this flare when he sees the ship. And then he puts out his fire, gets down, and doesn't fire the flare. And you realize that he's not just stranded, he wants to be stranded. He doesn't want to be rescued. And at the very end of the episode, you even see him carving the HRHR uh, Hench. His, his helmet says HRHR Henstridge. I assume HRH stands for His Royal his Highness. Royal Highness. And he carves off His Royal Highness. So it seems like he's running from his identity or possibly he's staying hidden because he didn't want to be in season two. <sighs> he's hiding from his mother. Uh, yeah, that was really weird and actually struck me as very creepy and chilling in that moment because he's so completely isolated and like seems to be barely surviving. So that was really, yeah. really but weird. He pointedly does not call goes. for help. Mm -hmm. I thought it was 
a good moment because it was really dramatic and, like I said, kind of creepy and chilling. But um, it doesn't thrill me that he's going to be kept away from the rest of the main cast for that long. I'm kind of ready for him to get in the mix if and see how he affects the characters because we know so little about his personality that it's hard to root for him that much. Sure. But definitely, it's a cool idea that the show is going with that, like, the perfect proverbial golden son is actively Avoiding. hiding from his family, possibly at the cost of his own life. Sure. Very Simba, what a, a very Simba move on Robert. He doesn't part. know that his father is dead, though. Well, that's true. He doesn't know that his father is dead. But he is he know that he's definitely running from his his uh, rightful place, I suppose you could say. Oh, man. Well, if he does come back, Cyrus is definitely gonna, should definitely try to kill him. That would be a very interesting plot line for this season. I'm kind of hoping to see some friction between Robert and Liam. I have a feeling that Eleanor, who always was very devoted to the memory of her big brother, kind of worships Robert. And that might drive a wedge between Eleanor and Liam because Liam is going to have hurt feelings that his sister is, you know, quote unquote, choosing Robert over him. Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see because that is pretty much all that happens in this particular episode. That's, I know. That's my theory, though. Something I like about not knowing what's going to happen next is that you and I can actually speculate. Mm-hmm. And we're coming at this from the same place oh, as true. our listeners. We don't have to worry about spoiling anything. So... What are some of your idle predictions off the cuff, just coming off this first episode? I mean, there's a few things that are pretty obviously going to happen. Like, obviously something, Helena and the Lord Chamberlain are going to continue to have some kind of non-strictly professional relationship. But the thing about this episode was, I think a lot of what it was doing was A, setting the stage, and B, clearing off the sort of remnants of season two, just... (laughs) It was the both, body parts. It was clearing the table and resetting it. And when you have that as the function of an episode, it's hard to get overtly predictive because it's just such a broad, basic baseline. I assume that there will be some kind of friction between Eleanor and Jasper, even though I think it'd be nice for them to be happy for a while. I assume it won't last. But, uh, yeah. Do you think Penelope and Maribel are going to come back? Don't. I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like they're not. I kind of feel like they're not, too. I feel like Prudence and the baby have to come back, though. Probably, but I don't think we're going to hear about them for a while, to be honest with you. No. We didn't hear about Prudence for a long time last season. Yeah. I feel like maybe they'll Um, make the odd allusion to them, but... Well, I just... I'm thinking about what was in the previously on, and the missing baby was in the previously on. It was almost weird that Cyrus didn't mention him just because, like... Your missing heir should be a big deal. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if Penelope and Mirabel are written off because I bet the comedic actress who plays Penelope is like, I'm done. Like, the actress who I was supposed to be with in the first season is already gone and I'm done. And then, you know, what's the point? They had the, you know, quote unquote, ugly sister end up be the one winning the guy last year, although it was very unclear as to why they did that, but... That may just be a, uh, um, uh, like a thread that never really comes to anything, but that's fine. So I don't know. I feel like maybe if they don't come back, I feel like probably next episode we'll get a throwaway line about how Penelope and Maribel went to blah, blah, blah for an indefinite amount Some, of time. Yeah, yeah, goofy place. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think it's very plausible that they will not be seen again. Um, I think it's pretty plausible that Domino Jr. will not be returning. And I don't think 
Ophelia will be returning, at least not this season. No, I actually saw on, uh, the actress who plays Ophelia doesn't tweet a lot, but I went on her Twitter and she tweeted last about the Royals midsummer. It was Elizabeth Hurley's birthday. She tweeted a picture of the two of them on the Royals and she said, past tense, I really enjoyed working with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so that was kind of my thought. So I don't know. It just seems like they're setting up for something new, but so far what they are doing is something that I could see myself enjoying. So it's easy. I feel like we're getting back to the season one roots of like, it's mostly fun stuff. It's like frothy intrigue in between family members vying for power. I honestly would be fine if we never saw the, I mean, we're going to, but I need a lot less of the prime minister from and, last season. Yeah. And the I, very sexually aggressive right. prime minister, not a fan of hers. It also has something on season one in that, like the sort of scandalous, sexy intertree, inter interplay and intrigue is not morally reprehensible in some cases. It's just goofy fun for the most part. Yeah, there's no one's getting hurt. No one's being forced to give a blowjob against their will no one's being threatened with prison rape style sex you know we're all we really like it when people keep things consensual on this podcast so that's all good stuff uh well before we go i'm so happy that we get to end things on a positive note because i know there have been times when we've been really scraping the bottom of the barrel but what was your favorite moment or image from this episode? Uh, I am going to go with, I think, at the end of the day, even though there were a few contenders, Cyrus's joke about the antidote. Uh, I think that was so good. I think that was my favorite individual moment. Um, yeah, that was really fun. I will know. Um, I have, I have to no go idea with... how Cyrus got that body out of his room and into his car and over the bridge, but he did it. Uh, I have to go with the whole interplay between James Hill and Jasper after James Hill caught Jasper watching Eleanor on the monitors. They both mm -hmm. just have that great, dry British humor. It was really funny. But I was also very struck by some of the images in this episode, especially Robert appearing to um, Liam in the Fight Club. As ridiculous as I found that Fight Club sequence to be, I thought that was kind of an effective moment. So, sorry for a slightly longer return episode, but... Yeah, we had a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we're very excited to be doing this week-by-week week, week thing with you guys instead of, you know, us holding all the cards and having to try to stick to episode by episode. We're actually going to be, you're going to be listening along with us as we figure out what's going on. Uh, so you can get in touch with us on Facebook, our page is Stage of Fools, or on Twitter at Stage of Fools Pod. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear what you think of this new season or of this premiere episode. I guess that wraps us up here, so... <laughs> I was going to ask if you wanted to plug your other podcast. I also uh, do a separate uh, comedic podcast that is released every other Saturday uh, called The Revisionists, in which we, me, myself, and previous guest Brian Flynn, look at an event or person from history. We look at the real story. We look at a crazy bananas, bonkers, bullshit story that one of the two of us or our guest made up. And then we vote on which becomes the real history of the real world going forward. Uh, it's a comedy show. It's pretty fun to make, and I hope it's fun to listen to for people. So if you wanted to get that, it's uh, search the revisionists wherever you get uh, 
wherever you get your podcasts, and don't go for that Malcolm Gladwell crap. Thanks so much for listening. I've been Shannon Camp. I'm Zach Powers. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter, at Stage of Fools Pod, or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted, artwork by Joshua Hollis.